welcome to Church Matters Podcast for SGC and Marlton. This is episode number 21. My name is Jason Reyes, Associate Pastor here at SGC, and with me as always is our very own Senior Pastor at SGC, Warren Betcher. It's good to have you, Warren. It's good to be here again today. How are you doing? Uh, doing well. Anxious as always to meet again, missing people more and more. So that, But our people are like here are getting tired of me saying that every week. Well, should we let the cat out of the bag real quickly before we get on with our podcast? What's happening this Sunday? Uh, well, we are hoping for an outside meeting this Sunday. So we have uh, already worked on our property. If you drive by, you'll see flags on the front lawn where people can go and gather as a family. So weather contingent, weather dependent, we're planning on an outside service for this Sunday. We're researching Excellent. the tent. We may not have them available yet. We want to gather together to sing together, lift our voices to Christ together, hear God's, the preaching of God's word together. So that's our hope to meet outside Excellent. this week. Excellent. And we'll have more information on yeah. online, all the specifics with that. Uh, well, today is a very special day as well, not just for that announcement, but primarily because we actually have a guest with us today. Uh, it is Cedric Brown, who's the lead pastor at Commitment Community Church in Lindenwald, New Jersey. And uh, Cedric, thanks so much for being here with us today, man. We really are grateful. Uh, I'm so excited to be here. Oh, thank you very much. Warren, if you could give us a little bit of a story of how you and Cedric met, because how does a Dallas Cowboys fan meet a former <laughs> and be friend a former Eagles fan? I he mean, let's just me get that. real. <laughs> yeah, brother, I don't think he knew that. <laughs> oh, wow. Uh, so now, so I have to leave now. Yeah, now, now, <laughs> now we have a division that is a... That's, that why, not, that's why you have Okay. Yeah. So you have a division. That the gospel will not yeah, bridge the I don't gap. Know if the gospel can help that one. Ah, there so, you go. Uh, he needs to transform me. Work of the Holy Spirit. Amen. There you go. We so are, how did you guys meet? Uh, we met at an area prayer meeting. It often means up at Fellowship Community Church that Mark Willie leads. Uh, so we met there several years ago. Mm-hmm. Been down at his church. One of his prayer meetings was down at the prayer walk they had last week. Um, so Cedric and I, you know, got to know each other a bit through that. Well, listen, as a, uh, a black American pastor, we're grateful that you're joining us on the podcast, mm-hmm. uh, especially in light of all of the racial issues that are currently mm-hmm. taking place in our country and in our communities and grateful for so many voices who are speaking to racial injustice. And we do want to get to that, but we also want to go ahead. We do have quite a few sports fans here in our church, and I, I'm sorry, we'd be remiss. And actually, they'd probably really be upset with Warren if he didn't ask yeah. some of these questions. Of you. <laughs> so these are somewhat yeah. softball questions. Are, are, are they, they, are, are they right, Eagles fans? They so, are Eagles fans. Oh, oh, big time. <laughs> so they, they do not like it. Oh, no, 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 no. no not no. when it comes to Dallas and the Eagles. So, no. but, but Warren, maybe you can go ahead and, and uh, lead into some of those questions real quickly. You had a successful career in the in the NFL as a defensive back for mm-hmm. the Eagles under Buddy Ryan. Yes, Buddy Ryan. So, what was it like playing for Buddy? Let me ask you. That. It was interesting because mm-hmm. <laughs> Buddy was he was a very emotional guy. He, he didn't really kind of show emotions, but he spoke emotions. <laughs> in some words, I can't mention. Right. <laughs> yeah, and, and he was very strict, if you would. But I've seen Buddy do some amazing and interesting things. Right. Yeah, I mean, even one guy I never forget that just comes to mind. There was a guy his Buddy's first year who showed up on the plane with spandex pants and just kind of sweats. And, and the, the attire for traveling was cold and tie. He actually literally cut him on a plane. He says, you're gone. You're done. Leave. 
Wow. Wow. He was very, you know, spontaneous in that. Uh, Even I remember during games, he would, uh, again, with some uh, choice words, would call different plays just out of anger and frustration. Right. right. You know, he would say, blitz, uh, you can fill in the blank. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he would just get upset. It's, you know, just like, blitz the blank, 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 blank. <laughs> and we'll look like, okay, coach, what do you mean? This is not probably like a good time to blitz right now. <laughs> One thing for sure, you knew what he was thinking versus uh, other coaches that probably wouldn't necessarily tell you what they're thinking oh, on the yeah. spot. Right. Yeah, but he, you knew where, he, where you still were. He, he had sure. accountability. <laughs> was function moment by moment. Absolutely. Yeah. But at the end of the day, you know, a guy that you grew to respect. Yeah. For sure. Well, it must have been fun to play on a defense like that. Yeah, yeah. When you guys definitely wasn't games, boring. For, you guys a cor- knew, you know. for a cornerback, it definitely wasn't boring. Oh, no. Most of the time, you're in one-on-one. You're you know, on an island. <laughs> <laughs> wow. And you're like, okay, coach, give me some zones so I can yeah. catch my breath, you know? Well, Cedric, I, I'm curious. Hey, certainly, you know, you think back to some of those teams and some great, great players, uh, you know, not just the coaching staff, but in the midst of that, you don't think uh, of athletes primarily as being humble dudes. You mm-hmm. know, um, there, there's something of the accolades and, and believing the press, you know, uh, mm-hmm. about you and so forth, where everybody's giving you data boys and patting you on the back. How did you become a Christian? Because I mean, seriously, to become a Christian, you have to humble yourself. Yeah, well, actually, I came to know Christ in college. Wow. Uh, my father actually was a pastor, born mm. and raised in a Christian home. Wow. But really didn't have a, I personally believe a sincere profession of faith until the spring semester of my junior year when wow. a, a total stranger walked it to me who started sharing with me things that I heard before, knew in my head. Mm-hmm but it really wasn't in my heart. And he, he said something to me that at least at that time, I felt I never heard before, but I'm sure I heard it before because my father preached the gospel. Mm-hmm. And he says, if you die today, do you know where you're going? Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, I don't know. You know, so he actually led me in a sinner's prayer, came to mm-hmm. know Christ. And that was the first and last time I ever seen him. Wow. wow. I don't know his name. Could be an angel. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I don't know who, what his name is. I don't know how he looks. I, uh, but when I came here to the Eagles, you know, there was a solid group of believers who were mm-hmm. here. You know, Reggie White was here during this mm-hmm. time, and I was in his prime. Uh, had a really, really strong Bible study, and Brett Fuller and Cynthia Fuller would drive up from Virginia mm. with their small one-year-old baby boy, and he would come up every Tuesday to minister to us. And that totally changed my life. These guys came in and literally didn't care who we were. Mm-hmm. They just told us the truth that, right. you know, they neutralized us and said, bro, you, you're just a sinner mm-hmm. and you need Jesus. And, mm-hmm. right. and really, I think it, it quickly deflated us to, to come to a place to realize that we're nothing without Christ. And one of the beautiful parts of that narrative and that part of my history of my life is that there were guys on our team who we tried to share the gospel with. Mm-hmm. But we plant, 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 water, 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 mm-hmm. plant that they're now serving the Lord. Right. Fast forward after your career is done in the NFL, I understand that you had a successful business career, mm-hmm. but how in the world did, did you, did the Lord lead you into full-time pastoral ministry? <laughs> yeah. Good question. It's interesting because right when I left the league, God just sovereignly pushed me out. And that's mm-hmm. another conversation. And Brett Fuller, who is a pastor of Grace Community Church, in, uh, I think, Chantilly, Virginia, in that area, Northern Virginia, he and others approached me actually Mm -hmm. to start a church. And I was like, nah, bro, you got the wrong person. Nah. (laughs) Right. Uh 
was like, no way. <laughs> yeah, and I, I said no. I mean, flat out, nah. Wrong right. person. Reggie and I stayed in contact. Right. And one day he just called me and he says, hey, how's it going? I said, hey, man, you know, I'm just working long hours and don't see Josh and, you know, just kind of vented mm-hmm. on him. I guess he took that to heart, handed up telling one of the executives that he had a friend who's looking for a job. Okay. And I got a call from wow. that because of that. Wow. So I had two, I had two options to, and this is, this is again, the sovereignty of God. I had a choice to go to uh, Detroit, Michigan mm-hmm. or Northern Virginia. Mm-hmm. Guess which one my wife chose, right? <laughs> Northern Virginia. Right. And we ended up in the church of Brett Fuller oh, okay. who mentored disciples. Wow. 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 That's really neat. Yeah, which really was neat. our journey, I believe, in ministry and the vision of multi-ethnic ministry. Okay. Because down okay. there, God just had a wonderful work that they were doing. Yeah. And, um, and remember how many years ago that was. Yeah. That they sure. were ahead of just, this is, this is the church. This is the church. So that planted a really healthy seed in our hearts. And then I was uh, really doing well in the industry I knew mm-hmm. nothing about. Mm-hmm. Not, I mean, but God just gave me favor and wisdom supernaturally, I believe. Mm-hmm. Then I got a promotion offers, offer to come back to Philly, Jersey. Okay. And we weren't going to leave because we were in a healthy church. We were right. like, this is perfect. Right. So Lisa and I prayed and we just said, listen, the only we, way we believe God wants us to leave is that there has to be ministry out. You know, I got a call from a friend who I've been friends with since 1987 says, hey, man, some of the guys are asking for you. And they're saying, hey, would you come and lead the Bible study? Mm-hmm. Now think about wow. it. Right. Wow. Brad Fuller came from Virginia. I'm now in Virginia with him. Right. And now, years later, do I go back to Philly? Right. Wow. And we just felt that's what God was saying. Go back to lead this Bible study. And in the midst of that, probably about two years into that, still bivocational, mm-hmm. felt God tugging at my heart to become a pastor. Right. <laughs> right. Wow. Mm-hmm. Well, well, tell us a little bit about the odyssey of the We Are One prayer walk that took place uh, this past Sunday in which uh, I know Warren has some, some comments to make, you know, Mm -hmm. about his experience being there as well. But uh, what kind of drove this uh, desire to go ahead and and, and see this happen? Yeah, we appreciate it. So Hezekiah, the young Mm -hmm. man who spoke, right? He approached me and he says, Hey pastor, you know, um, my wife and I were feeling that maybe we should do some kind of prayer gathering or whether, whatever. And, and he says, would you like to be involved in it? It initially started, I think they wanted to do something at the Defert Mall. But then he planted the seed. And then from there, it just grew and said, hey, well, maybe we should do X, Y, Z. Maybe it should be uh, focused specifically on really saying to the church, it's our responsibility now. Mm-hmm. And let's mm-hmm. let's rise up and let's mm-hmm. unify. You know, we're all in pain to some degree. Mm-hmm. You know, we're all trying to figure things out mm-hmm. to some degree. We all have our opinions. <laughs> so, but but can we agree to be one? Mm-hmm. That's good. You know, at That's the good. foot of the cross. Doesn't mean dialogue and change doesn't stop. But it's like any family riff. You right. have to say, can we sit and talk now? Right. You know, can we at least agree to agree? Mm-hmm. that something's wrong and this is bigger than us and that mm-hmm. we have to take some ownership. And, and, mm-hmm. I, and I just think that was kind of the premise of it. Uh, mm-hmm. But I wanted to make sure that the conversation, the spirit behind it really remained on 
on such uh, right. that we are one in Christ and we're one because of Christ, right. you know, and in mm-hmm. and, and, and Christ and Christ alone. At the end of the day, we can talk about whatever, but we're going to have to get there. Mm-hmm. Right. Because, <laughs> right. you know, every narrative that was, is, wherever be is you got to get there. So, mm-hmm. so how do we engage the body as much as possible to get to that place of unity in Christ? Right. How did you feel it went? I thought it went really well. Mm-hmm. The voice of unity, mm-hmm. the voice of God will supersede, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and, and even if it means I have to say, hey, bro, you got to go. See you later. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I have no problem. So right, if yeah, you right. show up, that to me, that tells me right away that God is doing something in your heart. Mm-hmm. If you're willing to show up to something that you know what mm-hmm. it is mm-hmm. and there's no surprising you. Mm-hmm. Because there's a lot of debate on Black Lives Matter, right? And and I don't agree with the organization, mm-hmm. but I understand the sentiments, the sentiments, and what people, sure, what the black people are really trying to say. Who many people are naive to the organization. Mm-hmm. I must admit as well. Someone was driving by and they said Black Lives, and they were ready, waiting for a reply. And everybody says, and it was pretty cool because I had two other black pastors next to me. And he says, we're one in Jesus. <laughs> you know, they're waiting for the cheer, you know, right. or the response of the cheer. We're like, no, we're one in Jesus. Mm-hmm. We're one in Jesus. <laughs> mm-hmm. And right. the other one was Hezekiah, right? right? It was a real blessing because yeah. this is a young black man who God has healed. That, you know, from the onset, it was, oh, what's going mm-hmm. on? I'm angry. I'm mad. Mm-hmm. Here we go again. And. And, uh, but yet how God has supernaturally, mm-hmm. you know, uh, healed him and, uh, doing a wonderful work in his heart right. of, of transformation saying, yeah, you know, even though it's painful, even though it's frustrating, but Jesus, to me, that's the beautiful narrative of this is that again, if you break it down to just the simplicity of relationships, if I offend my wife, Lisa, she's going to be mad at me. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, sometimes it's longer than a day. Right. Right. Yep. <laughs> uh, you know, and so I have to be tolerant to give her time to come sure. around, to listen, mm-hmm. to hear me out, or, or she wait for change, whatever it may be. And that's an important emotional cycle to allow people to walk through. Sure. You right. know, that yeah, you're right. going to feel a certain way. You're going to think a certain way. It, it was very evident in that story uh, yeah. from him, Hezekiah. You, just, yeah. you know, you could, the honesty of the anger. Yeah, right. At the beginning. But it didn't end there. Yes. It, yes. it, it had right. but Jesus. Yes. Yeah. And, right. you know, which is such a big thing, right. you know, but Jesus. Yeah. Our church is predominantly white church. Mm-hmm. How, just to hear your experience. So how did you process, you know, George Floyd in the wake of Ahmaud Arbery, yeah. in the wake of others? Yes. How did that affect you? Yeah. Thanks for, thanks for asking. And I tell you, initially, I probably didn't know how it was affecting me because mm-hmm. I kind of went silent, you know, mm-hmm. and, and Lisa probably was wondering what was wrong with me because I kind of withdrew a bit. And, and I think that's how I process things. Sure. Anyway, before I speak into mm-hmm. it, I will step back mm-hmm. and just kind of catch my breath. Mm-hmm. And, and as I was processing it, you know, I began to reflect on incidents in my own lives, life growing up in Compton and in, in New Jersey and, mm-hmm. and so forth. But working through that 
as a black man to say, okay, God, even though right now I feel helpless because probably even in my lifetime, the government will never get this. <laughs> you know what I mean? The world will never get this. Mm-hmm. So you have the sense of hopelessness. Okay, sucks. So right. what would a right. vote do? Right. Right. What, would, what would a post do? Here we go again. Sure. And will we ever get this? My deepest hopelessness came from the church missing her opportunity again. If you would just do what we should do, this would be at least dealt with mm-hmm. on our end, meaning right. as the bride mm-hmm. of Christ, as the right. church, right? That leaks over and to me continues to be permissible in the world because mm-hmm. we're not representing mm-hmm. uh, unity, you know, mm-hmm. for the most part. You mm-hmm. know, some mm-hmm. are, but most are not. It, it shook me, but yet, you know, I had to gain my, my wits about me because you know, hope deferred makes the heart sick, mm-hmm. you know, so you go through that sickness and, oh, God, mm-hmm. but yet I know, no, there's hope in Christ. So let me get my bearings straight, catch my breath and say, okay, God, but you're bigger mm-hmm. than all this. You're sovereign. You're in full right. control. So what, what is my role in this? You know, what is, how do I lead through this? Mm-hmm. You know, leading a, a multicultural, multiracial church, how do I now lead through this myself, mm-hmm. you right. know? Because I know there's going to be minorities in our church who saying, hey, pastor, are you going to speak for us? Mm-hmm. Right. Right. And, right. And then there's going to be majority in our church saying, hey, pastor, don't get crazy on us. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. You know, so right. how, do, how do I navigate through that? Mm-hmm. But and we're, we've, we've worked through some things ourselves as a body and had some good conversations. Mm-hmm. Well, Cedric, I want to ask you, because Isaiah 1, you know, 16 and 17 is really uh, um, instructive, you know, I think to the church right now, you know, in terms of where we're at. But um, Isaiah says, wash yourselves, cleanse yourselves, remove your evil deeds from, your, from my sight. Stop doing evil. And then verse 17 says this, learn to do what is good. Pursue justice. Yeah. Correct the oppressor. Mm-hmm. Defend the rights of the mm-hmm. fatherless and plead the widow's cause. Yeah. And, and these are things that are given to, to God's people, you know, a, a strong directive. So uh, in light of all that's happening, you know, brother, I really would love to hear how do you feel or what do you think, you know, that we can as a predominantly white group, mm-hmm. okay, here at SGC, how can we grow in yeah. our, not yeah. just our understanding, not just our empathy, for racial injustice, but what can we do? You yeah. know, what yeah. steps, you know, and so yeah. forth. We love any counts that you have, brother. Yeah, good question. I want to address that, but if you can take me back after this to what does the big church needs to do as well, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, what does the, the universal church needs to do? And, but for a local church, you, you, if you would, uh, Sovereign Grace or any local church, I, I think you start where you have influence, right? Uh, I think it begins with individuals correcting conversation, correcting relationships to be able to say, no longer will you say this, do this, act this way in my presence, period. Uh, it's unacceptable because, and that's that's across the board, but I think for the majority's sake, remember, it's likened to too much is given, much is required, right? Mm-hmm. It's likened to the strong bearing the firmness of the weak. Mm-hmm. So there is a initial responsibility for a majority, whatever setting it is, to say, I got to lead this. 
So if you could just imagine if every single person started there with that simplistic conversation with family, friends, and foe to say, it stops here, period. Mm -hmm. No sidebar jokes, no innuendos, none of that will ever happen in my presence again. And why is that important? If you go back to Jesus and his encounter with the woman at the well, right? There's a, a rabbi woman context, but there's also a Jew, right? Mm -hmm. And Samaritan context. So one of the first things Jesus did was got rid of his friends. He told them, hey, go get some food. How do I know that was strategic? Because when they came back, what's the first thing they said? <laughs> Why are you talking to her? <laughs> so mm -hmm. it's going to cost you, you know? So it's going right. to cost maybe some family issues, you know, will mm -hmm. you love me more than your mother, your father, your sister, your brother, right? And that's mm -hmm. what it's about initially to say, I can't go there anymore. Mm -hmm. All right. I can't do that anymore. And I think from that, then there has to be some intentionality of developing relationships with people outside of your own race or culture. You okay. just have to be intentional. And, and, and I like to affectionately say, my people must become your people. Your people must become my people. That's good. And that's there has good. to be a level of comfort to say, listen, that I trust your children with my children and your children, you know, that it gets down right. to that, that microscopic vantage mm -hmm. point that some people won't let their children play with their other people's children because they think they're going to influence them in some negative way. I talk, I tell people, I said, well, who's in your, who's in your, your cell phone? It used to be a Rolodex, but who's in your cell phone, <laughs> right? In other words, right. do you have people outside of your own race and culture that you can call right now? You know, who's sitting at your dinner table? whose dinner table you're sitting at? Is it only your homogeneous group of people? Uh, and, and again, if the pursuit is let your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. If we want a glimpse of heaven, the only way that is possible is that there has to be this in, intentionality of, of coming together. And it begins with one person moving forward in this. Now, I believe additionally, what's important to understand is uh, from a minority standpoint, the minority historically always have to do what it takes to be a part of, especially right. if I want to be better, have more, mm -hmm. provide, you know, you follow me? I yeah. have to leave my place of homogeneous comfort to enter someone else's world. Mm -hmm. Right. Rarely to do you adapt. Yes. Mm -hmm. right? right. Rarely do you see that with the majority. Right. That I have to become the minority to become, you can say, better for this mm -hmm. context, right, right? Right. But the better is this in our context, meaning the church, is you become more like Jesus. Mm -hmm. That's right. You become, right. heaven begins to be on earth. In other words, if we know we're going to live forever and ever and all with, you know, in all eternity with God and Christ in heaven with people of all nations, tribes, and tongues, why would we want that to manifest here quicker? If that is so there, there must be a benefit of being with other people who are not like me. And then I can tell you, honestly, I am so much better from leaving Compton, California to go to Washington State University, where there's 2% black population out of 20,000 students. I am better for sitting down for the first time with a white family in their house. Mm -hmm. I am better. Mm -hmm. I'm better because I had I have white teammates. You follow me and other. Yeah, yeah, I am yeah. better because heaven comes to earth, right? Mm -hmm. and, and what you find is 
the majority don't have that experience unless they bypass Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria. The only time you hear that, that heavenly narrative is when I go to a mission. And I applaud the majority's efforts and success there. Mm-hmm. But you've passed Jerusalem, mm-hmm. Judea, right. and Samaria. So you go to the missions field, you become the minority, right. your life is transformed, right. something supernatural happens in me as I submit to the, the, mm-hmm. as the minority now, right? right? Something transformational happens in my heart, but I come back and I go back to normalcy. Right. right. I just go, come back to homogeneousness. And then what you see is sinful habits just creeps back in. Mm-hmm. But the beautiful thing that happens when the majority says, I'm now going to spend time, and time may be short-term, but my humble opinion, it should be long-term or lifetime. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That I'm going to go and, and sit under and sit with the minority groups of people, you will see supernatural transformation in your life overnight. Right. And what you see with this, my humble opinion is, then you begin to see the systemic sin of racism begin to be crushed in the church because what normally happens is systemic racism happens. It's a sin. It's mm-hmm. in the world and we're sinners right. <laughs> that bring that residue in the church. And if I'm with my homogeneous people group, I'm never confronted with that type of sin. Right. Right. It's no right. different than if I had a pornography issue before mm-hmm. coming to Christ. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and, and if I don't meet a brother who say, bro, that's wrong. Guess what I'm going to do? Right. I'm going to still think, right. cool, my wife's not complaining. Right. You know, well, I think it's helping my sex life. Right. right? And we can have these weird, like, justifications. You know, oh, it's helping my sex life. Come on now, stop it. It's right. adultery. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. Right? right. But it, until you, you meet another man who says, no, that's mm-hmm. wrong. So if I'm a racist be it covert or overt Mm -hmm. in the world, I come in the body of Christ. Mm -hmm. And if I'm only have homogeneous friends who are intimate with me, homogeneous worship, everything is just, it's all feeding me and mine. And you're not faced with that heaven on Mm -hmm. earth, right? Someone who maybe doesn't clap like you, Mm -hmm. maybe someone who sings a little louder than you, maybe a little more demonstrative than you. You're not rubbed in that area to right. say, you got an issue with that group of people. Right, 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 <laughs> right. You know, right. or, hey, why are you comparing that brother to that other man who offended you 20 years ago? You see what I'm saying, guys? And, no, and you, good, so, that, so that sin just stays there, stays there, right. stays there, right. stays there. That's right. So if you flip the script and you say, wow, our minority brothers and sisters are forced to do this. They become better mm-hmm. from it in many different ways. Well, maybe we should think about expediting this and doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. So right. being willing, one of, the, one of the blessings that we had as a church was early on when there was only nine blacks and one white in our church, when we first planted the church, uh, a, a brother from a predominantly white church during the... Um, the men's movement, Promise Keepers. Promise Keepers, yeah. He says, hey, there's a really good black brother over there. Why don't you, some of you white brothers, go over there and spend time with him? That simple gesture helped push our church over the multicultural edge. Wow. And some of those people actually stayed to be a part of our church. Wow. 
Mm-hmm. And wow. our white one white person became a missionary in South Africa. Okay. She's been there for 20 years. Mm-hmm. Wow. So how do we do it? I think there has to be, it's going to cost you something ultimately. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, it's going to cost you relationships. It may cost you comfort, but it's going to take courage. It took courage for me to leave Compton and meet people who say that they've never seen a black man in real life, mm-hmm. which right. I'm looking like, huh? What? <laughs> you know, and I was wondering why in a public speaking class that everyone just kind of be leaning forward and looking at me. <laughs> Seriously. And, and then one person came up to me and said, yeah, I've never seen a black man in real life. Mm. Wow. And, but I'm better for it, right? I'm better right, for it. Right, I'm better right. for it. And, and, I, and I think what I'm trying to communicate with my majority brothers and sisters is you get it because you have that missional effect. Mm-hmm. You know, if I could just help you, you know, really drill down and how that has transformed your life, mm-hmm. just expedite that if you choose to just go to Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Just choose to go to Jerusalem. Just choose to go to that neighboring town that there's a, there's a, there's a, a, a Again, I get theology, I get all that, that, that there are solid black minority leaders that you could say, you know what, we're going to put some skin in the game and we're going to send mm-hmm. some folks to serve under a minority leader for whatever period of time. Mm-hmm, you right. know, take your time, take your, your, your talents and your treasures and go serve. Mm-hmm. And, and I guarantee you, life will never be the same. So we said, well, we're the district superintendents. Let's make it happen. Mm-hmm. So to his credit, predominantly white church in Long Island, Tony said, you know what? We're putting some skin in again. So he's actually sending one of his pastors who'll be 27 years old, hopefully before the summer, he'll mm-hmm. be moving down. I was at a Mosaic conference. I don't know if you heard of mm-hmm. that. The last speaker was the best speaker, and I totally forget his name. He says, you know, uh, multi-ethnic churches are growing slowly in America. The problem still is this. In most multi-ethnic churches, it is still predominantly white-led. He says it's not going to change until the minority is at the table making the decisions. And it resonated with me because I said, that's it. Because many times when people ask me about our church, they hear that it's multi-ethnic, multicultural, multiracial. Um, They're astonished, first of all. The second question they ask me is what nationality is is my wife? Theoretically, the second option to a multi-ethnic church is what? An interracial marriage. Right. Because right. it makes it safe for the majority mm-hmm. to be a part of it. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Uh, so, so what will it take? I humbly believe, in summary, is my white brothers leading this. Because most of the time, the white sisters are ahead of their husbands. Um, because I, you know, as I talked to my white brothers in our church, they said, pastor, it's, it's a pride thing. It's a fear thing that white men still have not moat. I'm just speaking mm-hmm. in general right. of submitting to uh, minority leadership in many different ways. And as I, as I, I've actually done a lot of, uh, diversity and inclusion training with businesses. And one of the things I have to call, I have to coach the white majority as I talk to them, I said, it's. Don't be threatened because what normally happens is, is that there's only one job and you're right. saying bring more minorities in. Well, that means I'm going to lose a job. Mm-hmm. Right. So I have to kind of coach them through this. So that same coaching is in the church and it is this in God's economy and in God's uh, mathematical equation. He doesn't eliminate people. You follow me? In mm-hmm. other words, your giftedness makes room for you. You know, so, so when you're saying, uh, let's make room for a minority brother at the table, it doesn't mean someone has to leave the table. 
right. in the body of Christ, right? Right. 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 Maybe in the world, right? Because right. you can only pay X amount of people. But by faith, we say, no, if this person is called to be here, that person's giftedness will make room for them. And God will back it up. If that person is supposed to be on a, on a, on a staff, in a staff position, he will mm-hmm. make room that way and he'll, he'll provide the resources because mm-hmm. that's what right. he does. Sure. He right. affirms, yeah. he affirms, right? In the body of Christ, again, the giftedness, you know, so if you have a minority coming into a majority church, there should be not just this appointing just because they're a minority. Right. No, that, that to me, that is, that is not God. Mm-hmm. You know, it, mm-hmm. it, you know, biblically is if that person is gifted, qualified, right. qualified mm-hmm. then it makes space. Yep. It begins with having the right white man who's willing, willing to do the right thing. Mm-hmm. That's really good. That's really good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So, so Warren, any, any concluding thoughts? No, this has been very helpful. And uh, I think there's a number of things you've said and, and knowing you, how the gospel informs your positions. So I love your men are sinners, all men, yeah. and all need the gospel. Yeah. And that what motivates yeah. you. And then I think the wisdom you've offered us of seat at the table. And the, it was very humble, by, uh, by the way, of you to say, I was better and think, well, yeah, that's the same for, for, for everybody. Right. Right. Yeah. We, we get to love other people. Yeah. We learn from those people. Yes. Which I think also then develops empathy for those people. Yes, sure does. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Something that my wife Please. brought up this morning, because this, of course, is we're just talking, talking, talking about it. And she was talking to a sister. And she, you know what my wife said, which is totally profound. She says, what the church needs to do is actually ask the world for forgiveness. I said, you know what? You're on to something, mm-hmm. right? Because we're supposed to be the salt, the light, mm-hmm. the sweet smelling savor. Mm-hmm. We're the ones, God says, if you humble yourself and pray, mm-hmm. right? If you seek my face, if you turn from your wicked ways, mm-hmm. he didn't tell them to do that. Mm-hmm. Then he will heal the land. Mm-hmm. So we're, we're the stopgap. And I think as you brought up, brother, in Isaiah, right? It's, it's we're the stopgap. He didn't right. tell the world to do that. I'm like, you know, you're so right. Honestly, we owe the world an apology right. that, you know, we have not been the representation of Right. Of unity, of love, of peace, mm-hmm. of joy. Mm-hmm. We haven't represented who the answer is mm-hmm. well. Mm-hmm. And that's, granted, you're going to always have whatever, right? Right. But, but can we find 10 faithful, right. 10 righteous? Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the church can actually frame the right questions. Yeah. The world can't. Yeah. The world's seeing the problem. Yes. But to frame the questions and the answers, yeah. the church really has that. Yeah. And um, mm-hmm. we, we do have a great opportunity right yeah. now. Well, brother, thank you so much for being a part, you know, of our podcast today. It, it really is, is a highlight, you know, for me. I, I speak for Warren as well. I appreciate the work that you're doing, you know, um, and, mm-hmm. and love your passion for the gospel that is driving, you know, all of this. Amen. Uh, so, so, brother, great respect for you. And thank you so much for your time. And for those of you who have been listening to us, this concludes another episode of Church Matters here at SGC Marlton. We look forward to hearing or seeing you and, and, uh, soon this Sunday um, and also look forward to next week uh, another podcast. And until then, we love you. God bless.